The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and we're having one of those amazingly perfect days. Um, I, I wish I could have all of you here today. It's so remarkable. Go to the Self-Improvement Blog. I tell you that every week, theselfimprovementblog.com. There you can find a picture of today's guest, read his bio. There's a couple of really great videos there, so take a look at those too. You'll really appreciate him even more uh, when you've done that. I I think we have something really special for you today. And I'm going to start by asking you the question, when was the last time you had fun at work? Never. (laughs) Did you ever get to laugh at work? Do you have to sneak to have a quick conversation or a laugh with a coworker? I certainly hope not. I hope you said, I have fun at my job and look forward to going to work every day. But maybe that's not the case. According to the latest State of the American Workplace report, 70% of U.S. workers don't like their job creating an environment where many workers are emotionally disconnected from their workplace. What do you think the creativity and productivity are like in companies where workers are emotionally disconnected, just putting in their time? Our guest today says... Fun is the key to success. If you want to be successful, having fun is not an option. It is a necessity. By making fun a top priority, taking meaningful, enjoyable breaks each day, week, month, and year, you'll not only be happier, but be more productive too. How's that for a nice concept? Today we're going to talk with Dave Crenshaw about having fun at work, or just having fun, period, having fun. Dave Crenshaw is the master of building productive leaders. He has appeared in Time Magazine, USA Today, Fast Company, and the BBC News. His courses on LinkedIn Learning have received millions of views. He has written three books and counting, including The Myth of Multitasking, which was published in six languages and is a time management bestseller. His newest book, The Power of Having Fun, is in stores now. It's available on Amazon. As soon as this show is over, I would encourage you to order this book. You can get it in Kindle if you want. Uh, He's an author, speaker, and online instructor. He's transformed hundreds of thousands of business leaders worldwide, and it is my pleasure and, I think, fun to say welcome, Dave Crenshaw, to the Self-Improvement Show. Welcome. Thank you very much, Irene. I'm very glad to be here. 
Oh, I'm delighted to have you. I always like to talk about fun. Um, (laughs) And and very few people do, which is kind of a sad statement. We'll start at the beginning. I always ask this question because it's so interesting to me. Tell us about yourself. Who is Dave Crenshaw? Well, um, I am a a happily married husband and a father of three. I have uh, one boy and two girls, 12, 8, and 4. And uh, I have uh, been involved in uh, training, uh, leadership, coaching, um, and uh, productivity for, gosh, I, I began around... 98. Um, I'm 42 now. So I started when I was about 23. Um, and, uh, and what I, where, where I began actually was working with entrepreneurs, with small business owners. Um, but over time, it's evolved into helping a much uh, broader audience, just, just people who, who lead or manage in general and helping them be successful in, in their careers. And, and I think you've helped many, many, but what I find fascinating, and I really want to talk about this because I think it could be so incredibly helpful for the listeners, you didn't always have it all that easy. As I understand it, you were diagnosed as off-the-charts ADHD. Yes. And you say you considered yourself chaotic and inherently unproductive. Now you teach others how to, and I quote this, to improve focus, structure, and stability. That's a very interesting road and a wonderful yeah, ending. I mean, a wonderful place to land, you know, and it's not the, at the end of the road, but probably in the middle. We have listeners who are struggling with all kinds of things and you know, ADHD is not an easy one. Can you tell us your story? Tell us what it was like when you had ADHD and how you came through that to be doing the work to teach people to focusing. Kids with ADHD really can't focus. I mean, to me, it's almost a miracle story. Well, um, you know, you said, tell me about when you had it past tense. And the well, reality- you do, yeah. It's still there. Um, it's never gone away. And I still am inherently, and that's, and that's an important word, inherently a disorganized person. It is my natural tendency to create chaos and disorder. Um, and I, I first, it really came to a head and I realized that I had a problem with it um, about the time that I heard two very important words. And the two words were, I'm pregnant. And <sighs> um, those, those two words really quickly focus a man's um, perspective. Yes. And, yeah. And at that point, I, was, um, I had a band. I was trying to be a rock star. And that was only one of, uh, of many career paths that I had attempted over the last several years. And so I realized, wait, I've got a life coming into this world. I need to be responsible and provide for it. And so I went and saw a clinical psychologist and, and, uh, and, and kind of gave my back history, even gave some back, back history of my, of my father, who, my gosh, probably had 30, no, that's not an exaggeration, 30 different careers uh, in, over the course of his lifetime. Everything from being a, uh, a radio talk show host 
to a a, a professional wrestler. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so I, I took a couple of tests and said, I don't want to be like that. I need to provide for my family. And after taking a couple of tests, he looked at them and he said, uh, you are, and this is quoting word for word, you are freaking off the charts, ADHD. If there were a fifth standard deviation, you'd be in it. <laughs> wow. Oh. So that's how high off the charts I tested. But But the beautiful thing about that story is what it did was it gave me a clear obstacle to overcome. Prior to that, I, I, I just thought that that was the way that I was or that that was just life. It's probably a better way of looking at it. But then I realized, wait a minute, here is a specific challenge. And so I set about trying to solve that challenge through what, what my background is, which is systems. I started training business owners in systems. My degree is in entrepreneurship. And so what I did was I said, okay, if businesses need to have systems, then people also need to have systems. And so I looked at the greatest time management training that's out there. Everything from, you know, uh, David Allen to Stephen Covey to Brian Tracy to, to Laura Stack. I mean, you name it, all of those great thinkers. But what I did was I looked at it and said, okay, this is written by people who are inherently organized, who have never experienced what I've experienced. So what I need to do is take this and adapt it to the most crazy busy disorganized, uh, uh, opportunistic entrepreneur in the world, who was me. And so I created that program for myself. And then after it worked for me, I began teaching it to others. And now it helps people who don't just have ADHD, but are experiencing the multitasking world that we live in. You know, I think probably there are many people even if they don't have ADHD, who can identify with being disorganized and feeling the chaos of that. Because when you're an entrepreneur, I mean, it's it's a nice long word to say you're so busy you don't know which way is up. Um, and they don't know how to get organized, even though pretty much they've been organized all their life. So I would say you did everybody a huge favor. How did you get through school and through college with ADHD and and not be aware that you had a real challenge? It's you know those are significant accomplishments for somebody with ADHD. Well, uh, one thing that's commonly misunderstood, at least by people who haven't experienced it or studied it, is that it, it implies that you cannot focus. And, and that's not, not true. What, what it actually is, is that you hyper-focus on things to the exclusivity of everything else. And then at the moment at which you achieve uh, or understand or master it, then you completely lose all interest in it and switch to something else. So, uh, getting through college was very much a, a, a journey of going from obsession to obsession. Ah, okay. And constantly pushing through that. There was also some, some help in, in the, you know, I really, there was a moment where I didn't think I wanted to continue. And I had a very uh, good uh, mentor, someone who was a successful entrepreneur, who, who, basically made me swear to him that I would complete my degree, regardless of how I felt. So there was a little bit uh, of that as well, a little helpful uh, accountability, which is something that also that I, I believe in a great deal. 
and we all need accountability, even if it's to ourselves. You know, we, we sometimes can hold ourselves accountable, and it works. But when you have somebody else to do it with you, uh, very powerful. So w- would you say that having ADHD really helped you come to understand things like multitasking and how it, it just, it, well, I think it doesn't work. And you well, say and it doesn't work too, but it's interesting that you would take that one on. You see very little about it. Yeah, well, and the reason why I took it on is because I saw that as the number one challenge, especially among leaders, among entrepreneurs that I was working with. And, and it's only, I mean, the book came out essentially 10, 10 years ago. It's only gotten worse since then for all of us. And um, if you look at what we're experiencing with time management now, our biggest challenge is not time management, it's focus management. We are constantly jumping from, uh, from idea to idea, from phone call to phone call, from text message to text message. And all of that is costing us a great deal because every time you switch your attention, there is a cost associated with it. It is unavoidable. It is, it is economics. Uh, human economics. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. You so know, I so. caught myself this morning. I, I was doing a little research on a topic, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at stuff. You know, the the new car, the cars that celebrities drive, and about five in, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? How how, how did I get here? And it was fascinating. And I'm thinking, what a waste of time. And yes. got myself back on track, but it's really easy to do that. And, and so that's why, um, you know, you mentioned my online training. So I have courses on uh, LinkedIn Learning uh, and Lynda.com. They're, they're essentially the same the place. And I have a course called Time Management Fundamentals. And in it, I talk about how the biggest obstacle to our productivity right now is switches of attention. And so the whole course is really about uh, reducing the switches and focusing your attention on what is most valuable. And that is a, that's quite a different departure than you look back to, the, to classic time management, let's say of the 80s or the 90s, right, where it was about maximizing every single moment. In our day, what we need to do instead of maximizing every moment is to give ourselves open space to be prepared for the interruptions and then focus our attention in the, in the areas in between where we have the most control of our focus. Oh, that's helpful. How then did you come from multitasking to writing about having fun in the workplace? You know, have you always believe that it was important to have fun in the workplace, a nice departure from the old days when Simon Legree stood over us and said, work. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it, it's not just in the workplace. I want to emphasize that. Oh, it, I it, totally, yes. Yeah, yeah, and your book makes that clear. It's not just yeah. in the workplace. So it's the time that we set aside to have fun. So how did I get there? If the myth of multitasking is about what you should not do, you should not switch your attention. The power of having fun is about what you should do. About, and it's the thing that people are not doing, which is making time for having fun a priority in our schedules. When you do that, 
it enhances your productivity and helps you perform better than you would have than than the person who says, you know what, I'm a hard worker. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to plow forward. And then at the end of that, then at that point, then I can give myself fun as a reward because I deserve it. That perspective is counterproductive and it's counterintuitive. We think that hard work pays off, but the answer, but the truth is hard work pays off up to the point at which we need a break and we need to take that break to replenish our reserves. Otherwise we just keep working and working and working and our ability to perform degrades uh, over time significantly. What, what propelled you, what motivated you to write a book about having fun? Why did you do it? And who can, who can benefit the most from reading it? Well, in all of my books have come about from experience in the trenches coaching uh, uh, leaders and helping them be successful. And uh, one of the patterns that I saw among leaders was that they were not taking time to do this. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one example. It was a couple that I worked with. And they, they worked very well together. You could call them a power couple. And they were successful in business. But what was happening was all they did was talk about work. Even at home with their children, right? What are we going to eat for dinner? Oh, how'd that marketing plan go? We're changing the diaper. Oh, did you hire the salesperson that we needed to hire, right? It just, it was never yeah. ending. And, and when you degrade your, the quality of your relationship, you degrade a, a, a powerful strength that you need to have behind you in your career, which is the support of loved ones. So when I saw this, um, I said, okay, wait a minute. Let's just take a moment and figure out where is a place where you two can come together? What's something that you enjoy doing together? And for them, they were, they were kind of embarrassed about it. I don't know why, but they said, well, we, we like watching Survivor. And, oh. and I said, you mean the, the reality TV show? They said, yeah, we, we like watching that. I said, great. Let's create a schedule every day where you two just get together and you watch this silly show. And, and that simple act, just that moment of watching something harmless like that really brought them together because it gave them something other, to work, other than work to connect about. And they became more successful at work because they had that time from work. And on that note, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about fun and the benefits of having fun. This is Irene Common with my guest, Dave Crenshaw, saying stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We can all use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment and register for free. Try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Dave Crenshaw, and we're talking about having fun. So let's start. I like to define things. Let's start by defining fun. What's fun for me may not be fun for you and vice versa. So how can you possibly describe fun? Okay. Well, one thing that I do in the book is I I actually rather, it is about having fun, but I introduce a new term, which is an oasis. And in fact, originally I was thinking of calling the book the oasis principle, but the power of having fun seemed to stand out to people more. An oasis is a better word and it, and it describes something that really doesn't exist in the, in the English language. So it includes having fun as well as relaxation, refreshment, taking time for yourself, chillaxing, all of that rolled up together. So what I teach people to do is to create an oasis in their schedule. If you think about what an oasis is in real life, it's, it's this place in the midst of this long stretch of desert where a person can relax and refresh themselves and replenish their water. Many people are pushing themselves through the desert of their day or their career or whatever it is that you're telling yourself, when I get to the other side of that, then I'll be happy, then I can take a break. That's a desert. But pushing through to the other side doesn't make someone successful, just like someone saying, well, I'll, I'll, do, I'll get a drink of water when I reach the other side of the desert. It, it's silly. We would never do that. No. No, but we do that to ourselves in our careers and in our life. And so uh, creating these mini oases in our day, in our week, in our month 
give us the replenishment and the reserves of energy that we need to be more successful and actually be triumphant on the other side of that desert. And how do you back that up? Can sci- I know science talks a lot about the benefit of laughter, joy, and those things. What about the benefit of fun or of this oasis? What does, does science say anything about it? Absolutely. Um, there's, there's a chemical in, in your body that your body naturally produces called dopamine. Perhaps you've, you've heard of this. Oh, yeah. Right? Dopamine is the motivation-inducing chemical, and what it does, and it also strengthens neural pathways when you experience it. So when we have fun or when you experience an oasis, you're giving yourself just a little bit of an injection of dopamine. Now, why does that matter? Well, let's let's take a look at a study uh, that was done in, in mice. I believe it was the University of Washington. I may be misquoting at the moment, but. It was, it was, the study had some ridiculous title, like uh, the, the role of dopamine in a water escape task in mice, something like that. <laughs> yeah. But basically what it is, is they had two groups of mice. One, they, they gave regular doses of dopamine. And the other group, they deprived of dopamine and actually uh, inhibited the production of it within their bodies. And then they had the two groups perform the same task, which was this, you know, escaping from water. And something very interesting happened. The longer they persisted in the task, the ones who did not have any dopamine got worse over time. In other words, repetition did not help them perform better doing it over and over. It actually degraded their performance. But the mice who got the dopamine on a regular, on a regular do- basis per- performed better and better and better the more they did it. Now, we're not mice, but many of us treat ourselves as if we're rats in a maze trying to repeat the same task over and over and over, beating our heads against the wall and not taking an oasis break. And what that does is it deprives your body of dopamine, meaning you're not getting better. You're getting worse, worse. the more you do it. And I, <clears throat> I'm assuming that a workplace that allows an oasis can be like the mice who produced with dopamine. Yes. Do you, do you have any studies or do you have any situations that you went in and helped a company loosen up and you know, all the things that you do to, to help a company begin to have fun. Do you have some before and after kind of stories of what happened with their creativity and productivity in the workplace when they introduced fun and, you know, some humanizing aspects of work? Yeah, I, I, I've seen it um, personally because what, what I do, a lot of my work is directly with the leader. And the reason why is I'm a big believer that the, the business is the reflection of its leadership. In other words, if we want to make the workplace more fun, the leader themselves has to start setting an example when it comes to that. They need to be living it themselves. And then usually what happens is then after that, after they experience it that themselves, then they make it a part of company culture. Uh, so, for example, I'm thinking of one business owner that I work with who owns a, a manufacturing company. And he was in that desert, relentlessly pushing himself over and over, working long hours. And so I worked with him 
uh, along with his productivity and getting more done, also to create this strategy of having oases in his day, not just for himself, but with his, with his wife, with his spouse. And he transformed into somebody that he really wanted to be anyway, which was somebody who, who got more joy out of life and more joy out of spending time with his employees. And then he started to make that more of a practice with his employees. And, uh, and it really, uh, the company started to perform better. Uh, it got offers to, to be bought. Um, and the employees, the employee loyalty improved dramatically. And productivity must have gone way up. I would think also that the errors in the workplace would go down. Uh, That's just an assumption that I'm making. I think it's a fair assumption. Um, I haven't seen a lot of studies about that particularly, but there have been studies um, by the Energy Project and Harvard Business Review that show that when um, supervisors encourage their, uh, their subordinates to take breaks at least three times per day, so roughly every 90 minutes or so, um, creativity improves, improves um, focus improves, loyalty to the company improves, and um, and the overall job satisfaction improves. So everything has to be better. I mean, there's no way. There's no way it could not be. You know, you, right. You, yet, yet 11% of companies do that. <laughs> so it's very, very rare to be in a 11%. workplace. 11%. I know yes. Google is one of them. You hear so much about, you know, and the, all the fun they have at Google or and you can see that in some of the things that Google produces you know just even in their you know the the word Google sometimes it gets really silly yeah kind of, well it, kind it, it's 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 like the the proverbial monkey's paw if you're not familiar with that right it's the idea that the, you can trap a monkey by putting something shiny inside of a small hole in a box and yes. the monkey reaches in and they trap themselves. Well, in a way, companies are trapping themselves because they, they, they may hear this study about, oh, we need to have more fun, but they don't want to let go of the hard work that they're getting from their employees. And so they stay, stay trapped in this cycle perpetually. When and the have very- a Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, and just one little kind of a nod to it, which is not the same thing. And so they get trapped in this never-ending cycle of, of relentless work, which is actually getting less results. You talk about metaphorical deserts. You know, what are some mm-hmm. other things we get trapped in, not necessarily just in the workplace, but in, in life? Sure. Well, as a parent, um, occasionally I experience the desert of being around my children. Now, that sounds strange, but I love my children. But anyone who has had small children all grouped together can know the blessed moment when they leave the house and how (laughs) refreshing that is, right? The the luxury of getting to go to the bathroom all by yourself. Right, right. It's something that people without children cannot understand. Right. But (laughs) but that in and of itself is sort of a small desert, and you can still create oases in your day. Like, for instance, my wife has quiet time with our children. And so what that means is there's a moment in the afternoon where they go to their rooms and they play by themselves. They don't need to be entertained by mom. 
And that is a place where she can relax and read a book or watch some, some show on Netflix. It's not that we're, we're isolating our children. It's just we're giving them a moment to, to self-entertain, self-soothe, so that when they come back, they're actually help, healthier and uh, really more stable themselves. So it benefits everybody to have that kind of a break in that kind of a desert. And, and we get stuck, you know, when we don't have an oasis, we get stuck in the desert. So, you know, right. how do we get unstuck? How, well, do, you, how do you get the leader to make the shift from having yeah. everybody stuck in the desert to having them find ways to relax throughout their day now and then so they can be creative and productive. How do you make them come to the breakthrough point? Well, in my book, I talk about a five-step process that I walk people through to help them have more fun and put these oases into their day. And the first step is permission, Is, is just recognizing that you don't just have a right to have fun, you have an obligation to do it. You have a responsibility to do it because when you do it, you will be more successful. And so that's why I spend so much time helping people understand that. I, I even have an, an exercise in the book. I can't do it on a, on a radio thing, but where it helps people illustrate in just a couple of minutes how they get such a big energy boost out of having fun. So you've got to give yourself permission and get past the guilt and the, you know, whatever work ethic that you yeah. built was built into you that says, I have to work relentlessly. No, you do need to work hard to be successful. I'm not getting rid of that at all. But, but working hard with no end in sight is counterproductive. So first you must be convinced. And, and, and you mentioned how uh, in, in the break, how your audience, you have people who, who want proof, right? Well, right. I've, I've, Kind of, I've given you some studies, I've given you some science, but instead of focusing on the studies and science of other people, I'm more interested in the experiment of you. So rather than taking my word for it, test it yourself. Give it a try for two weeks and make sure that you have a strategic planned time to have some fun every day for two weeks and then assess your results. Because it doesn't matter what what uh, happens to 70% of the people, especially if you're in the 30%, right? What matters is what happens to you. And that becomes the true proof of what I'm talking about. So do you find that people don't even know how to go about choosing something for fun, for a fun break? How do you have a fun break at work if you're in a place that has you know, a hundred cubicles going on in, you know, a workplace. How do you have a, a fun break there? How do you know what, you know, some people don't even know how to have fun. How right. Do you which started? is, yeah, which is why the second step is discovery. We need to rediscover in many cases what it is that we like to do for fun. It's, it, it's a common phenomenon. I see this a lot with leaders where I ask them, what do you like to do for fun? And there's a and long pause <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, because they say, well, work is fun. And I say, well, okay, I, I get that you love your work, but what do you like to do 
to just relax and take a break from work. And many people have forgotten how to do that. So one of the things that I did in the book, which is kind of unusual, I surveyed um, 500 children from across the United States from a variety of different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. And I asked them two questions. Number one, what do you like to do for fun? And number two, what would you say to an adult who's forgotten how to have fun? Oh, wonderful. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, the answers are fascinating. Um, but, but what it does is I created a list. I, I summarized all their responses and created a list. And then I asked people to go through that list and look for things that, that remember. Remember what you were like when, a chi- when you were a child, what you like to do for fun. Now, unlike, I know there are some people out there that are like, you know, uh, we need to fight adulthood or whatever it is, right? We need to stop acting like adults. I'm not from that standpoint. I, be- I believe adults should act like adults personally. But rather than being childish, we can be more childlike. And we can take the things that we used to do for fun and find the adult equivalent. For instance, if, if I used to like to play outside, perhaps the adult equivalent is, is go hiking more. Or if I like to, used to play with Legos, perhaps the adult equivalent is building models or building a, you know, a massive train set or some other sort of outlet for that. Once you rediscover it, it becomes much easier to help people to put it into their schedule. And, and what was the top thing? Do you have a top thing that the children said they did for fun the most? <laughs> well, um, video games was a, was a common one. Um, also, uh, playing with friends. And, of course, there's an adult equivalent of that. Of course. Um, uh, enjoying food was one of them. You know, you got to be careful with that. If food is a negative trigger for you, that might not be the place to no, go. Yeah, not a good place. But, but for some people, it's not a big deal, right? And so, you know, having a nice uh, snack or something like that is is a is a treat for them. Um, also, you know, just playing in the park, just going outside. That was also a very common yeah. one. Get a dog. And certainly, there are adult equivalents of that. And on that note, you know what? It's time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how to get out of this desert. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Dave Crenshaw saying stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more about having fun. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. 
There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tuned into the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Dave Crenshaw. We're talking about having fun. He's the author of the book, The Power of Having Fun. And Dave, before we get into this last segment, how can people find your book? Well, um, if they want to go just right to Amazon, here's a quick link. You can go to DaveCrenshaw.com. That's my name, DaveCrenshaw.com forward slash fun. And that will take you right there. You can also go to powerofhavingfun.com. And there's more information and some videos you can look at there. And the links are on the self-improvement blog. So if you forget, you can go there. But by all means, get this book. I think you'll be really happy that you did. If they want to get in touch with you, Dave, how do they do that? DaveCrenshaw.com. Crenshaw is spelled with a C. That's the easiest way to do it. Got a blog and place where you can reach out to me. And he's got, if you look at his blog, his website, you'll see his really beautiful children. Um, anyway, that's aside. Uh, we were talking about how to get out of the desert. We were talking about five steps to do that. First one was give yourself permission and then discovery. Discover what's fun for you. What's the third step, Dave? Uh, the third step is scheduling. So this is where we, mm. we circle back and connect with time management. Okay. So we're going to schedule some fun. Right. Make it a priority. And in fact, make it a top priority. So that's, this, that's another thing that I do here, which is very counterintuitive. People typically make fun the last thing on their list, right? Yep. After I check off everything on that to-do list, then I get to have fun. Instead, what you want to do, I'm not saying that you eat your dessert first. I'm not saying you have to put it first in your day. In fact, that, that probably isn't the best thing, but it is the first thing that you schedule for your day. So for instance, personally, um, my time for my personal oasis is 4.30 to 5 each day. I have a half an hour. A.M. or P.M.? Uh, P.M. P.M. Okay. So it's at the end of my work day, but I never, ever, ever, ever let anything get in the way of that time. It's absolutely essential for me to take that time. And for me, you know, we talked about how everybody has a different definition of fun. Well, for me, I, I like to play video games. So me I do too. that for 30 minutes. 
And that helps me clear my mind of everything at work so that when my children come in, I work from home. When my children come in at five o'clock, I know it's time to stop. And I've given myself a time, a chance to power down from thinking about work and start to transition to thinking about being with my children and with my wife. Wonderful. And then we go into step four. Step four is protection. And this is one of the more challenging steps. And it's something that I see with many leaders. So we have the right intent of having fun. We were putting these oases. We put them into our schedule and then life happens, right? Yeah, it doesn't do that. Right? And we say, well, I'm too busy to have it. There there are a variety of things that get in the way. I I call them uh, diseases, difficulty diseases, and you, you have to inoculate yourself against these diseases. I won't be able to go into all of them, but look, we'll just take one of them, which is the busyness, right? I'm too yep. busy to have fun. One of the things that you want to do, first of all, is make sure that you have transition time on either side of that oasis. If you put your schedule right on a razor's edge and put you know, this really important appointment that goes all the way right up until your scheduled time, odds are it's going to run long and it's going to get in the way. And this is a general principle that I teach in time management, which is we do not want to have your day completely full. Add some buffer into your day. Add open spaces. We live in a world where you are going to get interrupted. So if you prepare for it and expect it, you will stay in balance in terms of your time management. And that's, that's a great way to prepare yourself and inoculate yourself against the busy uh, disease. The busies. The busy bacteria. Yeah, I totally know that one. Okay, the last one. The last step is enjoyment. Ah. Now, this may seem strange, but... A lot of people, let's say we've we've given ourselves permission, we know what we want to do for fun, we put it on our schedule, and then we do it. And then, here's something I see a lot with leaders, it's hollow. They didn't feel anything from it. And when that happens, you're getting no dopamine into your system. In fact, if you're still thinking about, you know, what you should be doing at work or thinking about the next thing, it's, it's just perpetuating the problem. I had one client that I worked with. She's a successful uh, CEO. She was at a, on a vacation at this beautiful resort, you know, somewhere in a tropical island. And she's sitting on the chair, you know, next to the sand and surf. And what is she doing? Planning. Working. No. She's what? Planning her yeah. next vacation. Oh, her next vacation. <laughs> Planning her next vacation while she's on the vacation. And all of a sudden she realized what was going on. And she said, holy cow, I have a disease. So we all have that, that challenge, some of us more than others, because we live in a fast-paced multitasking world. Um, and it's something, it's something that I experienced to a large degree as somebody who deals with ADHD, that relentless push to whatever's next. And there was a time where I would have happy moments happen to me, like, you know, my daughter giving me a hug or giving me a note, and it just didn't register. I didn't feel anything. 
And so what I outline in the book is, is a pro- the process that I used to, to overcome that. I, would you like me to share a little bit of that with oh, you? Oh, I would love that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to use, I'll use a story. This is a true story, and it illustrates the process. So my daughter, Ella, she's eight. She's like our resident Hallmark employee. She loves to make cards for everyone with, you know, cute little unicorns and rainbows (laughs) and hearts with sweet messages. And she sent me a card that said, you know, dear daddy, you're the best. I love you so much. And I had it in my inbox. And I started to process it with the very, very system that I teach people to do in my time management fundamentals course. And uh, so I was going through it. What is the next step? Well, the next step is to file this away. When will it be done? Will it be done now? Because, you know, it's easy to do. Where is it's home? Well, I have a folder for stuff from LS, so I go to put that in my folder. And I'm walking over, and all of a sudden, I realized, my gosh, I'm experiencing the very thing that I teach people about. This inability to enjoy something that's great. So instead, I stopped and added another process on top of it. And the process is head, heart, and mouth. And and sometimes I even have my my clients touch their head, heart, and mouths to help them remember this process. Mm -hmm. So head is you intellectually acknowledge that something fun or wonderful happened. This is not emotional It is simply a stop sign in your brain to say, slow down. You are moving too fast. Something good just happened. So all you have to do is say, mentally, that was nice. Or, you know, that was nice that Ella just gave me a card. Or if you're having fun, it was good that I just um, had a break and went for a walk around the block. Okay? That's the brain. Heart is you ask yourself a question how did that make me feel? Mm, yeah. Well, it made me feel nice. It made me feel wonderful that my daughter thinks I'm a good daddy. Or it was relaxing to sit here and do nothing for a bit. Or it, it made me feel happier to watch that funny video on YouTube. Whatever it is that you're doing for your oasis. Then the last step is mouth. This is where we, we take it and manifest it in some physical way. And when I say this, I'm not talking about touchy-feely stuff. That's not the kind of guy that I am. This is hard science. We're building the neural pathway. We're strengthening your ability to enjoy it. So what we're doing is we say out loud, that was nice to get that card from Ella, or this felt good. You just say it to strengthen it with a physical something. And if you're not comfortable saying it, you can do what I did with Ella, which was I, I went online, found one of those sites where you can make your online greeting cards, right? Yeah. And I, because I'm not much of an artist like her, and I put together a little something with, you know, a heart and something, and it said, you know, dear Ella, I love getting cards from you. Thank you. And I printed it out and put it by her door. Now, first, let's talk about me. What effect does that have on me? It helps me start to regenerate that ability to feel happy emotions, to feel good when fun things happen. Also, it what effect did it have on her when I put that outside oh. her door? It made her weak. <laughs> yes. 
something like that from her dad. But it also has a long-term residual effect back to me, which is every time I tell this story and I read it in my book, I, I, I re-experience that moment that I had with her. That is the power of, of head, heart, and mouth and in strengthening your enjoyment muscle. Now, on that note, we are at the end of the show, Dave. So I, I'm going to ask you this last question. What, okay. I think you've given us so much good stuff. But what's the thought you want to leave with the listeners today? To do something. To take one action. You know, if you think about the conversation that we had today, what's one thing when you were listening, you said, I need to do that. The light bulb went on over your head. And write that down and schedule time to take action on that one thing. And that way it moves beyond just feeling good about what you heard or getting some knowledge to actually uh, stamping it permanently into your life. And it's okay to have fun. I I like that you have people give themselves permission to do this because a lot of people were taught that it's not okay. Mm -hmm. Dave, thank you so, so much for being with us today. What a lot of good information you've given us. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Irene. Thank you very much, your gracious host. I encourage all of you to get Dave's book, The Power of Having Fun. And we didn't talk about the power of it, but I think you'll find that out as you begin to implement it into your life. This is Irene Conlon and my guest Dave Crenshaw saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.